You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? bundling policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around the house go to geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save it's geico easy visit geico.com today that's geico.com and we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast what would your family do with an extra one hundred and eight thousand dollars that's a problem that our listener Jacob out in Colorado has now, thanks to SaveWithConrad.com. He recently saved money with us over at SaveWithConrad.com, gave us a five-star review, and wrote this: Our previous mortgage company made each step of the process difficult, but Jimmy took it in stride and made it happen. He was able to lock us in at one and a half percent less than we were at, and saved us hundred and eight thousand dollars over the life of the loan. Guys, that's unbelievable. Jacob saved more than 108 grand, but how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, did we mention no house payments for two months? And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Start saving money today at savewithconrad.com. You know, finding the person you want to spend the rest of your life with is great, but you got to hate all the pressure of what's next. Of course, there's all the engagement talk, but then there's the pressure of actually shopping for a ring, the hassle, the haggling, finding a store to trust, trying to figure out what the heck the four C's are, discounts, sales, coupons, styles, all the nonsense, but at least those are all fantastic reasons to put off getting engaged. And that's why guys have really grown to hate Steven Singer. He takes away every excuse in the book for not buying the ring. And he makes it so easy. I hate Steven Singer. Steven Singer is a Philly jeweler who's been making it too easy to buy real diamonds for over four decades. He specializes in diamond engagement rings and has a staff of real experts, real jewelers, real people that are ready to help you find the perfect ring or gift at the perfect price. There's no call center. There's no sales. There's no haggling. There's no promo codes. There's no discounts, just the best price possible guaranteeing the best value every single day. Check out Steven at the other corner of eighth and walnut in Philly or online at I hate always with fast and free shipping. That's I hate
Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spinebuster. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? The talker of many bullshit, too. <laughs> throw that in there. I'm doing very good. I hope you are as well. Man, I'm doing great. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been a fun week and I'm excited for us to, uh, keep the fun going. We're picking up where we left off talking about the good old territory days. Uh, and today we're going to be venturing into one of your very favorite territories where we last left off. Uh, you were at the Omni against Joe Lightfoot for Georgia championship wrestling, but now it's time for things to go a little South Southeastern championship wrestling. And this is, uh, probably one of your favorite territories of all time, right? Arn? Yes, sir. And I guess we should button it up by saying, you know, the Omni was always my arena of choice and it was always an honor to be there, but no disrespect to Joe Lightfoot, probably being in the first match in the Omni from where I was supposed to have been at this moment in time was the writing on the wall. It was time to go. And, uh, Oli talked to me and said, you know, Hey, I, I really don't have anything for you. Would you like for me to call around and, and get you booked? You know, you have a preference and all that. And you know what? I just remember what Bob and the Fullers told me. If you ever want to come back, you know, love to have you. So I figured the timing was right. I had enough seasoning. I just said, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, you using me as long as you have, and I'll make a couple of calls. If it doesn't work out, um, I'll get back in touch with you. Called Bob Armstrong and, uh, heard those words. Yes, sir. We got something for you. Sure do. And gave me a starting date and man, I was floating. This is, uh, you know, a little different from the Watts territory we talked about before. Uh, you you've made it no secret that boy, that could be real challenging at times. Just the, the money and the miles and, uh, just the, the, the wear and tear on your vehicle. And now you're getting to where those trips aren't going to be quite as long here in Southeastern, right? It is as far the other end of the spectrum as you could possibly get. Bill was 3000 miles of rotten roads and we added it up one time. I think Pensacola was around eight to 900 miles a week. Wow. And beautiful interstate, um, much better scenery, less hazards. You didn't have those dark highways, everything, all the towns. I mean, I, I can run down the week for you. And in your mind, you being familiar with that area, you can go, Jesus Christ, that's almost criminal. You know, it's like if you, if everybody lived in Pensacola, right? period. And I learned this right away, uh, which I hadn't really known before. I Now, keep in mind, I had just come off of being able to spend a long time with my granny, get her straightened out at the house, get her some money put up, get some, some things done. Bought her a room air conditioner. She had never had an air conditioner. As soon as I got out the door, she refused to cut it on. Uh, that's just the way she was, obviously. Um, I don't need that. But anyway, um, now we're moving to Pensacola. And uh, I'll never forget 
my first day was Birmingham and for some reason they always started everybody in Birmingham and I get there early, go in, Bob introduces me to Jerry Stubbs, who was Mr. Olympia at the time under a mask. Bob says, here's what I like to do. I'd like to bring in as a baby face. You will be end up being partners with Jerry. Your name will be Super Olympia. (laughs) (laughs) He hands me a mask. It's just like Jerry's. And my gear was nowhere near as nice as Jerry's. I mean, the guy was tan. He was rested. He was in a good mood. His gear looked great. He's jacked. He may have been cheating a little bit on the jack part. I don't know. (laughs) Because he looked real good. So he introduced me. I had my first match. And uh, here's the way the difference, the way things were, Conrad, in those days. Um, He goes, tell you what, I'll jump in, ride with you, and kind of we'll get to go, you know, no get to know each other a little bit. So we had our match in uh, Birmingham. Now we're riding 275 miles and uh, on the way down there, he says, you got a place to stay yet? I said, no, today was my first day. He said, well, you stay at my place. He don't know me. Right. He's bringing me into the home. Now this is his home home in Pensacola. His wife, Maureen, his two kids are living there. Little kids. Oh, wow. I mean, that's rolling the dice. Yeah, it is. In today's world, you don't know me from Adam. Right. So I stayed there Monday night, and then Tuesday we go over. Here's I'll give you an idea of the uh, scheduling. So <clears throat> we stay at his place. Manny had a beautiful home, nice pool area, grill out by the pools. It was awesome. Um, so we drive in from Birmingham. That was two seventy five. The next day's fifty miles over to. Uh, mobile Wednesday. Now remember this word off. Yeah. Off, off, all the way off. I could not believe it. Thursday was 160 miles each way up to Montgomery. Friday was a spot show on the way to Dothan, probably usually within a hundred miles. And then you just zip on over to Dothan Friday night. Cause you had TV at noon the next day at a house show that night. So you still ain't left and went anywhere. After that, on Saturday night, you drove back to Pensacola. Guess what the show was on Sunday, every Sunday? Pensacola. Pensacola. Now, if you do that driving in your head, that's pretty sweet, right? Yeah, that's not bad. It's unbelievable. So it's almost like they built it this way. But as you come down 110 uh, from up north, from up coming down 65, you get off of the Atmore exit and you you come down through the woods and it looks like, okay, this is this is Georgia, Alabama. I've seen this look. You go through Cantonment, there's a it's a really heavy duty smell of a paper mill, but I guess it's a huge employer, so you get used to the smell. Then you get on uh, 10 for just a second, and then you get on I-10, which is a four-lane that literally dead-ends you to the ocean. And you're elevated up, and as you're getting close to town, you start to see those lights. And just as you crest, dipping off of 110 down into town, uh, all you can see is water. 
and man, it's one of the most beautiful sights you've ever seen. If you're not used to that. Right. And I wasn't used to that. Right. So it, it just took my breath and, uh, it was just, it was like, uh, shades of things to come, man. I got, I had such a good feeling never having access to the ocean other than to go to Panama city a few times when I was growing up. It, uh, it was like, God almighty. And we weren't even at the beach yet. That was the bay. Went across the three mile bridge. As you can imagine how cool that was for the first time you, you patrolled that whole area. Oh, I'm for sure. sure. Conrad, yeah. You yeah. Know. If you hadn't been across something like that three mile bridge, it goes across the bay. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's outstanding. It's yeah. awesome to see that. It just makes you feel good. Zipped over to Gulf Breeze, spent a couple of nights with Jerry and Scott Armstrong on that Tuesday night in the locker room. Hey, hang on one second. Uh, Jerry lives in Gulf Breeze. Gulf Breeze. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful area. All right. Anyway, Scott Armstrong. Yeah. So I spent, uh, you know, Jerry was, was so kind to have me stay at his place Monday night, Tuesday night, Tuesday in the locker room. Scott Armstrong comes over. He says, Hey, I got a two bedroom condo. I've just, you know, bought, I, I really need somebody to help split the rent and stuff. And he said, your end, if you want to stay there would be about, uh, be about $300 a month. Wow. A month. Wow. Two bedroom condo. And I went sold. Absolutely. Uh, so I had nothing to move in. It was already furnished. Everything was up and running. He had been living there for a while. All I did was move into the bedroom with my clothes. Quickest move in in history. So I'm off and running, man. Retromania wrestling is inspired by early nineties, arcade wrestling action. The roster includes both wrestling legends and stars from the day, including Hawk and animal, the road warriors, Tommy dreamer, the reigning NWA world champion, Nick Aldis, Matt Cardona, even the blue world order. There's a story mode and arcade mode, singles matches, tag team matches, six man tags, eight man tags, and even the retro rumble retro mania wrestling is available now for the Nintendo switch PS4, PS5, Xbox one, Xbox series X steam and II arcade. There's even a Retromania-themed II Arcade cabinet. Check them out at RetromaniaWrestling.com and follow them on social media at RetroSoft Studios. That's RetromaniaWrestling.com. And be sure to follow them on social at RetroSoft Studios. I'm telling you, if you grew up on these old-school arcade games like we all did, you know the games, this is exactly what you've been looking for. It's nostalgia, baby, which is what this podcast is all about. And so is Retromania Wrestling. Check it out. RetromaniaWrestling.com and social media at RetroSoft Studios. You'll be glad you did. So listen, this is a different, uh, certainly a, a different way of life. We're going to break down some of your run here. The best I can tell, according to the cage match, your first match in town was at the Batwell Auditorium. You and I haven't spent a lot of time talking about Batwell, but a legendary old school building. Of course, Birmingham has had the, uh, Birmingham Jefferson civic center for years. That's where the Rawls and nitros would be, uh, but Southeastern championship wrestling and later even ECW would run the Batwell auditorium. What do you remember about Batwell? I would suspect just like the Omni was my Madison square garden. The people that worked that territory Batwell was there 
yeah. arena. It had that stage with the big curtain. It was dark, uh, which allowed the fans to get rowdy as they wanted to be. It had such a history. It held, I don't know, Boutwell probably held six, 7,000. I think it's, uh, I think it's about 5,000 seats. Okay. I was way off. That's why we have you here. Well, no, I mean, listen, by the time you had floor and all that, maybe it's more, but I'm saying, I think like the, the sort of what we'll call the lower level or whatever, I think it's about 5,000. So yeah, you could probably get 6,000 in there with, with floor seats. I wasn't being confrontational or disrespectful. (laughs) Don't get hot. You're the facts, man. I'm just throwing shit against the wall. Hope it'll stick. Um, that's our fact checker calling in right now. Yeah. I mean, we unplug everything to be courteous of these podcasts. Oh no. Just tell Cornette you'll call him later. You're busy. I, hey, fave. <laughs> <laughs> I always love Batwell, man. I like the marquee out front. It has like an old school vibe and I don't know. It just, uh, it feels like a building made for wrestling. Kind of when you can stand on a stage and look peek through the curtain it is the ultimate viewing experience for the talent right? without being seen and you can see everything. And it just has that old school opera house type feel. Yeah. And, and it just is. And, it, and it's got great acoustics and it was the most important thing. It was your money town every week. If when business was good in Birmingham and he almost all the time was, that would make your week and it would get you started in a good mood. Uh, you know, I had a short trip the next day and, and it just everything. The guys sold a ton of merchandise. I know that all the baby faces, cause that was one of my first, if not the first, I think experience was seeing guys go out, sit at a table for an hour before the show started and sign their pictures and stuff. And man, they were cleaning up. That's something we haven't spent a ton of time talking about, but beyond just the, uh, the envelopes that you would get from the boss every week or every other week, the baby faces in particular could really clean up at intermission. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about that. Break down the, the old school ways of the quote unquote gimmick table. Well, number one, <clears throat> you sold your merchandise the guys would have a bank bag. They had their pictures, their t-shirts, which they had an outside source having it done cheaply. Obviously, uh, they had their pictures and they kept up with all that. They handled the money. They handled the pictures. The, uh, big deal back then was the, the photos, the instant photos. Oh, so Polaroids, Polaroids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they were getting maybe, gosh, I think maybe $2 for a Polaroid. Okay. But in those days, if you did 50 of those and that was an extra hundred bucks tax-free in those days, now you got a decent chunk of change. And I would hear of tons of stories of guys that would uh, make as much on their merch as they did on their payoff for towns continually. So it was like double pay, but it was only good for the baby faces. Heels wouldn't have sold it 
merchandise wise, because I mean, we were not nice people and we stayed in character all the time. I mean, heels were assholes and you were going to sell any merchandise. Matter of fact, you caused the baby faces to sell even more merchandise, uh, by you being a dick, but it was exclusive to the baby faces. I was fine. No problem with that. Uh, I was more concerned on the other end. How do I get in that main event? So by the time you're listening to this, I am packing for my vacation. Can you believe that I'm getting to take a vacation and I'm so fired up about it. Really? This is going to be the first time we've taken a summer vacation in a little while. Of course, travel's really been shut down with the pandemic and whatever, uh, but we got ahead. I'm ahead at the office. I can't believe that I'm ahead on podcasting. So I'm scooting out of here, man. But as I'm packing the bag, something I'm throwing in there, blue chew. Here's the deal. It's summer camping season. Let's talk about pitching tents. That's right. This episode is sponsored by blue chew guys. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. And that's where blue chew comes in. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready wherever an opportunity arises. Maybe whenever, maybe it's whenever or wherever, you know, the deal, the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. So there's no doctor's visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacies. And how about this blue choose tablets? Well, they're made right here in the USA prepared and shipped direct to your door, all in a discreet package. I got to tell you, this is a, uh, a delivery that everybody's excited to see here at the house. Remember when you were a kid and it was a big deal to get mail, then you grow up and eventually realize it's mostly junk mail or bills. This is a package that everybody's excited to get. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, check it out. This is for you. If you're looking for extra benefit, if you're looking for extra confidence, if you're looking for extra five-star reviews, if you're looking for extra wide smiles around the house, you got to get that extra boost from blue chew. And if you think it's time you use a little extra confidence, maybe you could benefit when it's time to perform blue chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try blue chew for free. For free, for free. When you use our promo code ARN, A-R-N, at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is ARN, and you'll receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Bluechew for sponsoring this podcast and my vacation. Somebody's coming home sore. Thanks, Bluechew. So let's talk about that for a minute, because we haven't spent a ton of time sort of beating up the dynamics of, you know, being a heel versus being a baby face. Uh, I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in the character and the storylines. We don't ever talk about just the nitty gritty, which is if you're a heel and you've got a ton of heat, boy, it's going to be hard to maneuver around town and people are going to try to mess with your car or cut your tires or whatever. But in addition to that, you can't go make the quote unquote merch money. And that's not money that you have to wonder now is the promoter being straight with me because you're sort of just selling your own wares out there. If you're a baby face and the rock and rolls were famous once upon a time for, well, they just have new pictures every week and super fans would come by the same people every week would come by something else. 
So you're not only getting the payday from the promoter, but you're also cashing in there. And it's been said that baby faces back then could make more money at the quote unquote gimmick table than they did for their matches. And I understand the mentality of a wrestler is, well, man, it's just more fun to be a heel, but it's also more fun to make more money. If you had your druthers, would you have still preferred to be a heel? Even if it meant it paid less because it was more fun. Yes. I would rather have been a heel. Wow. And I'll tell you the reason why there's several reasons, but the main thing is in those days we protected the business and you were in the same town every week, week after week, after week, every Tuesday was mobile. Wednesday was off. Thursday was Montgomery. Friday was your spot show. Saturday was Dothan. Sunday was Pensacola. Monday was Birmingham. Now you're talking 52 weeks in a year, right? If you didn't protect as a heel, your heat, because you were going to be getting your ass kicked quite a bit in the house shows. Yeah. If you didn't take care of yourself on TV, if you weren't allowed by the office to not get beat very often on TV, if at all, and give you enough promo time to protect yourself so that when you did get beat, I could go right out there that even even right after getting beat and grab a mic and go, are you going to believe what you just saw? Or are you going to believe what I tell you? Right. That was heel mentality, but you protected your spot that way. You protected your longevity that way. And the real smart promoters, and if you talk to Ron Fuller or Robert, God bless him, Bullet, if we could talk to him today, they would tell you baby faces are a separate entity than heels. And they would pay you a little bit more. Mm which you never ask anybody what they made, but you would hear baby faces talking good week, shitty week last week, and you could get your information for them. But knowing that you didn't get any of that merchandise money, they might bump your payoff up $50, $75 for that night. They're trying to offset you. Yeah. So they're keeping you happy. Yeah. You're getting your money. And to be honest with you, you're not having to go out there and, when you should be getting mentally ready for your match, you're out there signing autographs and taking pictures and hugging and kissing babies and all that stuff, which is fine. It's a part of the business, especially back then. It just ingratiated you to those, those fans and they would keep coming back every week. But if you had your druthers, you'd still rather be a heel, but yet when you're Mr. Super Olympia, when you first start here for Southeastern, you guys are baby faces, right? Yeah, and it was the first time I uh, really ever worked babyface. And worse than that, you ever had a mask on? Uh, just once, and uh, not for me. No fun, was it? No, I don't understand why anyone would want to do that, especially when you're, you know, doing all that moving around and jumping and flying and sweating. And it seems like when you're uh, huffing and puffing, the mask can't help. No, and when you're claustrophobic. Oh wow. I mean, the first time I put it on, I pulled it off and went, I don't know if I can do this. Right. And then that little angel popped up on my shoulder and said, of course you can. You can, you can certainly do this. Just take a breath and relax. And 
stretch those eye holes a little bit. So I figured out, you know, I would wear it. And even after the show was over to get used to it, I wore it like the whole trip home, which if you pulled up beside us <laughs> in the car at two o'clock in the morning, barreling towards Pensacola, you look over and see a guy in a mask. It's probably a little, a little sc- unnerving, a little scary. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew I had to get used to it. That's pretty cool. And it's just one of those things that, that you accept and you figure it out. And, uh, you know, what it did do was it gave me some Anna anonymous, uh, some anonymity. Yeah. You could do what you want to do. That's the word I was looking for. You could float around. You could, you know, nobody knew who you were. Uh, of course, coming off that Atlanta TV right now, I was starting to get recognized and I saw the power of being on that television for the first time. And it was stout because you got recognized a lot. 605 to 805, buddy. If you're plastered on that screen, people get to know you pretty quick. Before we talk about you being in public and getting recognized, I want to come right back to that. I do want to ask about the mask. Did you ever do anything fun with the mask? Did you ever go into a bar wearing the mask or, uh, you know, wake up a girlfriend or something wearing the mask and just scare the shit out of them? We had a laugh about this here at the house the other day. We're talking about stuff and, uh, Day two, we worked mobile. We right. came across the bridge. We pulled in the beer stop. I went in the beer store and bought a 12 pack with the mask on because, <laughs> because the parking lot was full of fans that had followed us from the arena. Yeah. There was probably six cars Yeah, with people. Now, I ain't, in those days, I wasn't about to make that 50-mile drive with no cold beer. Right. And sometimes they would follow us, which I found out that night. I got a lot of information that night. They would follow you all the way back to Pensacola. Oh, my gosh. Fans were rabid, Conrad. But what, and, was, the, what was their plan? Like, whenever we get where we're there, when we're there, I'm going to. Well, it was more about them pulling up beside you, waving, blowing the horn. Oh, gosh. You know, as baby faces, remember, yeah. So some of those were females and they weren't blowing for the guy in the mask. It, they were blowing for <laughs> Scott Armstrong or Mr. <laughs> Olympia or whoever the baby faces were. They're just going, who is this guy with Jerry's mask on for I, God's sake? I, I love that you use the phrase. They weren't blowing for the guy with the mask on. They were blowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the big swelled up lucha guy? Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, it was a different mentality and they would get all the way to Pensacola and right there at that interstate 10 and one ten split. As soon as we, they figured out we weren't going to stop again because when we stopped, we would sign autographs and talk to them for a minute and, you know, ingratiate them to, to, for spending their time on us and all sure. that stuff. When they saw you dip down one ten, they knew you were heading home and they would just circle back, head right back to 50 miles and go back to mobile. It was their allegiance was awesome. So you talked about getting recognized a lot. Uh, once you were on the, the six Oh five TV, did you have any interesting moments? Um, I'm always fascinated where you know, guys who have been on TV, you know, reach that celebrity status. And then they meet people in an everyday walk of life. I'll never forget like our, 
I don't know, probably 20 years ago, I went to the local FedEx and we've had, uh, the same NBC affiliate has had the same news anchors for years and years. And so I grew up watching that NBC affiliate and I turn around to check the line and say, man, how, how big is this line getting? And right behind me uh, is a lady that I had seen on TV every day of my life for 20 years. And it was like, as a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a real person. Like in real, I'm not supposed to see you at FedEx. I'm only supposed to see you on the, the box in my living room. And I, I'm curious from your standpoint, did you have any, any fun interactions like that once you were on 605? Uh, before we go there, don't we want to address the fact that the guy at the beer stop so has, beard a man, man. <laughs> has a man in a mask buying beer? Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't, he didn't sell it. He did not sell it at all. He just looked at me. That'd be uh, whatever it was, six six forty five. Put my money down, gave me the change. He never looked at me cockeyed, like something was wrong with this. Well, and come to find out, because I had to ask. I thought they were ribbing me to get arrested when they said, no, you can go in. You can go in the store. Jerry had been going in there with a mask on for wrestling years. too for years. That beer stop had been in place for years. So that so guy no, knew that guy knew. So big deal. Yeah. Okay. Now we can move ahead. It is kind of funny when you think about it though, because it's if almost like, it's, it's almost like there's a special code, you know, like, but what if he carded you? And then he wants to see your ID that says Marty Lundy, but you're wearing this mask and he can't tell if that's really you. It, it's a, it's a fun visual. It would have been funnier if there was maybe a gimmick driver's license and you had one made with a mask on Olympia <laughs> comma super parts unknown <laughs> parts unknown, but he must be from around here somewhere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Or he's going to be riding around with that mask for it's, a long it, time. It says parts unknown, but that sounds like Rome, Georgia on the accent there. I don't know. Wow. Rome, Georgia. So you guys from Huntsville still looking down on us? Oh, right? no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if you're in Pensacola and parts unknown, hypothetically, New Jersey and, uh, and Michigan probably sound a little different than Rome, Georgia. That's all. <laughs> You're right. And you know what? For the first couple of weeks, you would hear people like, uh, now the next week I'm riding with Scotty Armstrong over there and stuff. Or sometimes I would, you know, it was such a short trip. Sure. You'd just drive by yourself, but you would hear people and I was, they were going, that's Buzz Sawyer. Mm. That's Dick Slater. And they were, you know, they were guessing at who you could be. And that part was pretty fun. You know, uh, and then they started to figure out after I'd been there, the left hand was a giveaway. They the wrestling fans are smart. They would pick up on your style and your moves and your move set. Yeah. And they would start to figure out who you were. They would put two and two together. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget, uh, you know, watching ECW in the late mid to late nineties and they brought ravishing Rick rude out in the hood and you can just tell by the way the dude walks. It's like, wow, that's Rick rude. Yeah. And so you don't have to be like super perceptive. If you've watched wrestling, you know, everybody has like their own sort of walk or gate, whatever you want to call it, uh, swagger, if you will. And it's like, oh, that's Rick Rude. So I, I get where there are some giveaways like that. Yes. 
So, uh, let's talk about your first match here. The first one I can find is, uh, as we mentioned, Batwell auditorium, your super Olympia it's December 16th, 1983. Does that sound about right? That you would have started when it was cold outside in December. Yes, sir. It sounds about right. Absolutely. Your um, opponent that night is man mountain Harris. And I had to look up, Hey, who is man mountain Harris? Well, it's black Bart using a different name. I didn't know that. How about that? Well, uh, Look here, Mr. Olympia, stupid Olympia, whoever the fuck you are, man, Mountain Harris. Get to finish here in a minute, but I'm pretty sure it'll be the compactor. So this lay flat and everything will be cool. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? It's not the compactor. What's the spine buster? <laughs> Black Bart. Awesome. Gets- what a character, man. What a character. I love black Bart promos on, uh, I've seen some with, uh, Tony Schiavone watching all Jim Crockett stuff. And uh, I don't know, man, I think he was underrated. I think I found him super entertaining. Uh, did he always have a dip in always? Yeah. Always. And Hey, th- it was no gimmick. That was him. Yeah. He, uh, and just, just a big harmless really big and thank God he was harmless country boy who just loved the business. And, uh, it was a pretty damn fair hand for a guy his size. So, uh, the next uh, time I see you is December 2nd, 1984. Uh, so we're going all the way into 1984 now. God, it feels like time's flying and you're back in Birmingham and you're teaming with the superstar. And Jerry Stubbs, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the superstar, but it's demolition acts, superstar, Bill Edie. What can you tell us about, uh, superstar here? My estimation, Bill was one of the best big guys ever in the business. His psychology, he, again, Bill was a handsome guy. He had these piercing blue eyes, which he still has. Yeah. And underneath that mask, he gave him this allure of just Jesus Christ. He looked like a star underneath the mask. You could almost tell the guy was a handsome guy just by his eyes. And he was a big guy. He worked out all the time. Psychology was good. He, he knew his job description. And uh, and he was a star from head to toe. And uh, an excellent worker. Great psychology. There's no negatives with Bill Eady. Bill Eady was a hundred percent pro. It's kind of funny to think, you know, you and I have talked about when you and Tully first went to Jim Cro or first went to the WWF from Jim Crockett and you're working with demolition. And now that we're sort of venturing back through your territory days, you're working with Darso. And then a few months later, you're working with Eady. Uh, it's full circle in wrestling more often than not. Is it not? Sure. It is. And, uh, you know, usually when you switch gimmicks, it'll either be a huge positive for you or a huge negative. Yeah. Especially if you've invested a lot of time. Uh, I think because the mass superstar was used so well when word got around that, hey, you know, acts of demolition, you know, that was the mass superstar, Bill Eady but he had been used so well. It was just like a top guy changing his cape. And, and it wasn't that big a transition. And 
the audience was already accepting the fact that this is a top guy. He'll be used as a top guy. And, uh, and he was. Why adfreeshows.com? It's simple. It's early and ad-free. Why wait for your favorite shows to drop when you can listen as soon as they stop recording? There's no need to wait. You can access it all before anyone else can. Plus, no ads. No one telling you what to bundle or how to keep that man part standing tall. None of that. It's just straight content from all your favorite hosts, including Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff, Kurt Angle, and the rest of the team. That's not all. You also get immediate access to watching their reactions live on video as well so don't put it off any longer do it now you won't be disappointed start enjoying all the podcasts you love early and ad free at adfreeshows.com so it's a six-man team as we mentioned jerry Stubbs, super olympia and uh, the superstar and you guys are going to be in a losing effort losing to jacques rougeau rick mccord and robert fuller Let's break that down. Rick McCord, as best I can tell, was just a journeyman territory guy. I don't think he ever was a big TV wrestler. Do you remember Rick McCord? Yeah, he's a small guy, blonde hair, pretty fair hand. I think he was from the Carolinas, if I'm not mistaken. And then so, he, he's teaming with Mr. Robert Fuller, who a lot of us WCW fans remember as Colonel Robert Parker. Is this your first time being in the ring with Robert Fuller? Probably. And he was... Uh, part ownership too. He had points and, uh, was, he was a lifer down there. Jimmy golden had some points. Bob Armstrong had points. Ron had uh, the majority. I'm sure Robert had some points. And I think, uh, his wife's brother had a couple of points. Um, and, you know, back, back in the day, Robert was a over babyface, big, handsome guy. And, uh, you know, they had been there for some time and he was well-established and, you know, he was top guy. Good deal. It was, it was a, it's a good group of opponents for us. Talk to us a little bit about the way when you say points, I feel like a lot of our listeners won't know exactly what you mean. You're talking percentage ownership in the territory. So if there's this big pot of money, uh, this guy gets so-and-so percentage and that guy gets so-and-so percentage of the profits as quote unquote owner, right? That's absolutely correct. Thank you for explaining that. Yeah. And I want to say Jimmy had 10 points. I want to say Bob had 10 points. Not sure about Robert. I just know that, uh, Ron was always, it was pretty clear was the boss and had the majority of the points and, uh, had the final say so on stuff. Um, and Hey, that, you know, when business was good, those 10 points could be pretty sizable. I remember being over at Roberts, uh, one week. Now we were making, uh, at its best, I was making around eight, eight fifty a week. Wow. And you know, for 83, 84, that's pretty good. Till I saw Robert's check plus his points laying there on his table. We went over to shoot the shit with him one day, have a couple beers. And I don't know if it was laid there for to be seen or he just forgot and it was sitting there, but it was a check for $6,000 for the week, for the month. Okay. But that was his points check. Oh, okay. Just his points check. That's a big deal. 
So I'm sure those guys with points, their weekly payoffs were a lot bigger than everybody else's as they should have been. They were the owners. They were the bosses. And so if you do that kind of math, now you just say that was your average times 12 plus whatever he made working and a little territory down there that is, you know, something we should mention, which was another I found out after I'd been there a couple of weeks. Everything in Pensacola is priced for military. Oh, I see. Because it's such a huge Navy base and such a, you know, you got the guys in the military have to be able to afford to live there. So yep. rent, rent, gasoline, all those things that are staples were very inexpensive. Now, I think we should touch before we move on. It's December, but you could still go to the beach. Yeah. Because Conrad. It's 70 know, something. It's 72 for a high with a little bit of a breeze blowing. Yeah. That's perfect. It feels great. Now the water's probably a little chilly, but if you're just going to hang out on the sand, it don't get no better. I kept my fat ass in the chair. Lounge <laughs> chair. I, didn't, I got this thing about sharks. Wait a minute. You don't get in the ocean at all. No. And wow. I have been round and round every summer with my family about them not getting in. Aaron, with all of her wisdom, her standard reply is look, if the water's clear, I'm going in because you can see them coming. I love that. Oh, you're just going to take your going to outrun a shark athletic ass. And you're going to get up <laughs> like Jesus Christ and walk on water and shoot out of the ocean before they can bite your calf off. That that's what you're saying. I, I love that. Arn Anderson ain't scared of shit, but sharks, right? John Tenta was on to something in that dungeon of doom. Game. Hey, apparently I, you know, I don't know whether I'm glad that I didn't know he was mad at me or I wished I would have, so I could have fixed it, but that's another story. But yeah, that's, that's a land shark that I'm glad I didn't have to butt heads with, but man, we, if you've never had access or never lived in Florida or California where you've had access to the beach any day of the week, probably besides Monday and if school's in after the end of September, during the week, you got it to yourself, private beach. Yeah. And the way it was laid out, it's, it's funny. Wrestling business is really crazy. You would go to, uh, we would pull down to where the pier was and park our car. And there would be a walkway at straight up the pier, the bathhouse, the showers were on the right, right there. As soon as you walked in. The water pressure was huge. It was ice cold, but the heels would be on the left side of that walkway. The baby faces on the right. And that's how we kayfabe. Now we were 30 yards apart, never talked to each other, never looked at each other. The baby faces would get a little closer to the water. So we weren't straight across from each other. Uh, but that's, and you could all go the same place. You would, have some, uh, like on Tuesday, always just about, we go to the gym, we would have a change of clothes in our car. We'd go to the beach and you wouldn't, if you had to be there at say six 30 for seven 30 show, you'd go up to the bathhouse very quickly, wash all the oil off of you, clear your head. If you had a few bruise grease out on the beach, which was pretty much every Tuesday and you'd drive the 50 miles, walk in, you're still an hour early ready to go to work heaven hard to beat 
absolute heaven. We were uh, talking about this six man before we uh, went down the rabbit hole of all the fun in Pensacola. Jacques Rougeau is the other guy in this group. Uh, the six man match we're talking about Robert Fuller, Rick McCord and Jacques Rougeau. Is this your first time with Jacques? I know you guys are going to have a hell of a run in the WWF, but I, I didn't remember him ever even being in Southeastern, but shows what I know. What can you tell us about this? It was one of those things that he was really good friends with Robert and Robert would bring him in and out for, you know, periodically, I think, but he was definitely very good friends with Robert and, you know, he's good baby face, uh, had that accent that, uh, French Canadian accent, which the Southerners, you know, the, some of the girls I'm sure thought was, was cute and, you know, um, handsome guy, young baby face had some skills, but, uh, Basically, I think his history was he would, you know, it probably every other year he would come in for a month or something just to lay on the beach and unwind. It's been uh, said over the years, especially in the, in the WWF run that Lord bless him. He couldn't help, but be a polarizing figure. Did you see any of that here in Southeastern? Uh, as far as polarizing being having heat guys thought he was a smart ass guys thought he was a dick tough to do business with. He was an asshole. He was arrogant, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I've heard all those things. Uh, you know, you, again, I just, I treat people the way they treat me. Um, he was good to you. No issues. Great. You know, anytime that we were there working together no issues. I just, you know, I just looked at his baby face skills and, uh, how I can turn that into having a good match. I was constantly my goal to, to be able to everybody in that other locker room, man, I want to go out and make them glad when they went back through the curtain that they worked with me that night. And in a small territory, when you're a heel and you're going to end up getting beat a lot, eventually it didn't hurt to have those baby faces pulling for you saying, I want to work with that guy. I want to work with that guy. We should also mention you, you said a minute ago, you thought you were making about eight fifty a week there in, in 1984 dollars compared to 2021 dollars, that would be about 2,200 bucks a week. So you're, you're making well into the six figures in modern money and getting to hang out on the beach more often than not, not a bad way to live life. Yowza. That sounds pretty good the way you talk about it. <laughs> and hey, I didn't have any bills. All right. No girlfriend. Your rent's three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars. That's my you know, that's everything. That's the condo payment. Now we ran that air conditioner on sixty year round. I love you for that. <laughs> I mean, one thing about Scott, it was his condo. You know, we kept it nice. I mean, he was buying this thing, so we kept it nice. And, but the one thing we agreed on, man, cause it gets hot down there yes, it does. For eight months a year. Yeah. Keep that air conditioning running wide ass open. I don't think we ever cut it off for like a year and a half that I was there. Wow. So let's talk about what's next because I'm fascinated by the way the territory system worked. Right in the middle of this, you're, you're getting your feet wet in Southeastern and two days after that six man that we just mentioned, you're wrestling Dick Murdoch in a losing effort on TV for bill Watts. 
Of course, we're back at the Irish McNeil's boys club in Shreveport and Dick Murdoch gets a win over you. A quick one, as they say on January 4th, 1984, is there just, uh, I mean, how does that work? Does he call you directly? Does, does one of the fullers come to you and say, Hey, we need to do a favor for Watts need you to go put over Murdoch or what's that look like? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, they asked me if I, if I was cool with running over to Bluck. Was it, what was the town? Shreveport. Shreveport. Yeah. Uh, was it just the one town? Do you have another couple of dates there? That's all that's in cage match, but your next match that I have a record of isn't for 11 days. So it makes sense that you probably did some other spot shows. That was probably just your only one on TV. I think they booked me back over there since I had this new identity. Right. It was fresh off of TV and they, I, you know, they weren't using me as super Olympia or were they? No, Marty Lundy. Marty Lundy. So I could go back and be that guy for a week. It's fascinating when you think about it, that, you know, you're sort of, I mean, we just mentioned in June of the prior year, you were Arn Anderson in mid South, but now here you are to put over Dick Murdoch and you're Marty Lundy. It's like, Hey, if I'm winning, I'm Arn Anderson. If I'm losing, I'm Marty Lundy. <laughs> Arn Anderson has no blemishes. Now Marty Lundy. Well, he's still trying to figure it out. It's pretty cool being two folks, isn't it? Well, three, if you count super Olympia, but how about this January 15th, something big happens. Uh, it's the NWA Southeastern tag team tournament final match. We got Jacques Rougeau and Jimmy golden. And, uh, well, you know what, before we move on, let's talk about Jimmy golden. Whenever I have a conversation with my dad and I say, Hey dad, Back when you used to watch wrestling, who were some of your favorite wrestlers? And dad will always say, well, I liked Harley race and oh, Jimmy golden. He just goes right to Jimmy golden. My dad, of course, grew up in Alabama and Jimmy golden on that Montgomery TV was a big deal. And of course we know him later as bunkhouse buck in WCW, uh, but Jimmy golden, the real guy, what can you tell us about him? Great guy. Those guys all came from the from the same cut of the cloth, the Fullers, Robert, Ron, him, Bob Armstrong, business all the way. And they grew up in the business and they knew the business top to bottom. He was a guy with tremendous baby face skills. But in my estimation, you really didn't realize what a tremendous performer, actor, whatever you want to call him, uh, that he was until he assumed that bunkhouse buck role because he had it to a T. If you, if you remember that, that face he would make when he was pounding on the guy, I wish I could do it, but his whole face changed his whole face contorted. And he was a big, tall guy and solid you know, that bunkhouse bunk character had, had legs. It really did. It should have got more time than what it did, but, uh, he was just a pro from, from the moment I met him and watched him work and all that stuff. He was a seasoned veteran. We should also mention this match results in Arn Anderson and Jerry Stubbs becoming the NWA Southeastern tag team champions. It's a big deal. You think a lot of Jerry Stubbs, of course, uh, he's also known as Mr. Olympia. You've been wrestling some as super Olympia here. Your build is Arn Anderson. So Arn Anderson and Jerry Stubbs are the new NWA tag team champs. And it happened in Montgomery, Alabama. This is your first title in wrestling, right? 
Yes, sir. And you know what has happened? Obviously, water under the bridge and it would be impossible to, to connect all the dots. But somewhere between this match we're talking about and the previous things that are listed that you're getting that info from the site, Jerry would have had to have lost his mask. Right. I would have had to have lost my mask. Right. We would have had to had a little bit of a dust up, I would think. And then became partners. So things were moving pretty quickly. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it in that context, and I think that's the order of the way it went down, I think I like, you know, lost my mask first and then Jerry would have lost his and we became partners and started matching up some gear and, you know, had those go to hell fedora hats that you, that have gotten some heat over the years and, just in general, smart asses, but you know, God, I enjoyed being partners with him. He was so good comrade, you know, no flaws. Again, he looked like a million dollars. He was jacked. He was I always go back to that tanned thing, but I'm sorry. You look at the guy with a body. That's a good looking athlete, really good shape. And you put a tan on him. I'd say he looks 30% better. Wow just from the town. That's my estimation, but you know, guys have figured it out over the years and, uh, he was just, he was good. He was really good. And I would imagine with those two guys, that would have been pretty much a hell of a match. I would think. I want to come back and talk about the tag titles and, and your run here in a minute, but I do want to ask, when do you think the tanning thing changed? Uh, for years and years, it felt like guys were going to tanning beds. And I think maybe they overdid it and maybe the beds weren't what they needed to be, or maybe we just didn't know what we know about skincare now, but I know that, you know, flair wrote in his book that he has problems with his vision now from, and he blames it on tanning and other guys would have, you know, spots show up here, there, and uh, it's a little cancer scare and, and they blame tanning beds for that. But of course, I think you laying on the beach, you didn't need a quote unquote tanning bed, but. Somewhere along the way, it feels like that changed and guys just went with, Hey, I can get tan right out of a bottle here. When do you remember that transition happening? Well, I figured it out because when I got to first got to Pensacola, obviously I was a baby face. Tim Horner came in not too long after that. And he moved in, um, the same eight plex. It was an eight plex condominium. He was right downstairs and around the corner from where we lived. And he had a guy that was going to come over a photographer that he had met. He came from Louisiana for working for bill. That was going to shoot some, some pictures that we could blow up, get some eight by tens and all that stuff. And I just noticed because by then I'd had a few weeks on that beach and figured out pretty soon that, pretty quickly that I really loved that. And, uh, I started to look at the pictures and it looked like to me, I was getting in better shape. The illusion was I was getting tanned Yeah, and I could see it. And you know, there there's pictures that are floating around with me with a mask on standing on the beach and a pair of yep. just tights. It's, it's the most disturbing thing you'll see today. If you pull that up. Who is this? What the hell's the matter with this guy standing out on the beach with a friggin' mask on, oiled up? But in those days, it was totally acceptable. The fans never questioned it. They would just go, oh, that's a good picture. 
But I figured out and I started looking at the guys that were tanned. You know, Rick McGraw was there for a short time. Quick draw McGraw, big barrel chested guy. Remember? Yep. He, after a week, he was bronze because he would, he took it to a different level now. He would go to the bar. We'd go work wherever the town was, didn't matter. We had bars that we went to on any given night. Um, 2001 was on Sunday. Uh, sometimes on our off day or a lot of times on our off day, we go to 2001, uh, just different bars scattered around town. But when the bar closed, he went, I want to say the guy went for like two weeks without getting a hotel. Wow. He would leave the bar, go to the beach, set up a lounge chair, throw a towel down on it, put his NWA, which was written on the side of his cooler. NWA cooler, set it beside him, have another towel. He threw over the top of him and he would sleep on the beach from three till eight. Wow. Get up, go take a shower, which was right there. The shower gimmick, uh, like when, shower. You, when you're coming off the beach, they, they sometimes will have a shower to knock the sand off of you. Yes. And it was, a, and the water pressure was. I mean, Crazy. big time and it was cold. Yes. So it's sober you up. Yeah. That's the first thing he would do. Then he would run to the gym for an hour by 11 o'clock. He was back on the beach and the band, the guy was glowing mahogany. And I could just tell by looking at him, God, he's, he looks better every time you see him. And it was mahogany. cost of the damn tan. Oh God. <laughs> mahogany. What a line. Correct. And, uh, he got it and, you know, and the guy started to figure it out that lived on the beach, take advantage of it. Or even if you're in a warm climate and then the thing went, okay. When I left there, I saw I wasn't going to be have time because we traveled our ass off for Crockett too, a lot of driving. So then God, I didn't want to lose all this tan. So then you discovered tanning beds and that would have been around. 85, 86, somewhere in there. And <coughs> excuse me, you figured out that it was just a better look. Yeah. And, and it, it progressed from tanning beds and some guy's skin just couldn't handle it. It would burn them instead of making them tan if they didn't have a base and all. But remember around that time, you're talking about, okay. Now we got Nikita Koloff. Now we got the road warriors. Now you got Rick rude walking in the door. You got all these guys with these incredible bodies. The guys like me that were never going to have a great body. The least I could do was be tan because somehow, or at least in my mind, it gave you a more athletic outdoorsy, healthy look, which I'm sure it was just the opposite. Pardon the interruption, but I just wanted to tell you really quick about two of the best ways to support The Arn Show. One is to pick up a shirt from arnshirts.com, and the other is to grab a gimmick from boxagimmicks.com. It's the official store of The Arn Show. You not only support the show financially, but you get to show off your fandom to others, helping spread the word about one of your favorite podcasts. So check out arnshirts.com and boxagimmicks.com, and thank you for being a listener to The Arn Show. Who was the first guy you remember having a tanning bed in wrestling? that you ran across? Oh gosh, probably 
it would be somebody like Buddy Landale, probably. Yeah. The one that got the most use out of it that I saw that totally transformed. You remember when Ronnie Garvin was getting his push? Yep. Dyed his hair blonde, blonde. Yeah, platinum. Rip, platinum blonde. Put it in a crew cut. And man, he started hitting that tanning bed and he got mahogany. And he just suddenly, his whole look changed. You know, he went from being just a, a very solid worker that everybody believed in. And he looked, he looked like a star. And I think it was a lot of, it was dyeing his hair blonde, you know, and he had a good, good, thick physique and, uh, just getting really, really tanned. But in terms of the, uh, tan in a bottle, you know, the little self tanner that you see a lot of guys use now, do you think that started late nineties, early two thousands or more recently than that? No, I think it was, I think it was mostly tanning beds and stuff cause that stuff, unless you put it on a day ahead, what you start sweating would come off. Yeah. So I think that would have been a nineties thing because guys were just, you know, it was just easier. And yeah. I guess they had somehow were rationalizing, well, it's better than a tanning bed for you. Right. But, but you would, you know, guys would put it over. They would forget to wash their hands. Oh. The palms of their hands would be, would be bronze. Yeah. If you were, you know, around the top of your ankles, guys wouldn't do their feet and, you know, stuff like that. Now you couldn't see that with boots on, but it would gave you a little bit of a hokey pokey look walking around the locker room or in public, Yeah, you know, so, but it's guys did, they figured it out, get some color. So, uh, let's talk about your first tag title here or your first championship. Uh, this seems silly. I'm sure to someone uh, of your pedigree all these years later, but as a little kid, man, you know, wrestling around with my friends in the neighborhood, uh, taking off the couch pillows and having our own living room matches when the WWF started to sell little toy replica belts, the little foam belts, that was like a game changer for us. That was the cool thing ever, because as a wrestling fan, everybody wants to be a champion. I know it seems silly. You got in this to make a living, but there has to be a part of you as a fan. That's like, man, I got a belt. Well, tell us about that. You know, they weren't out there like, or I didn't have access to them. I wouldn't yeah. have been able to afford one anyway. All right. They weren't out there. You're right. Um, uh, I would have thought it was the coolest thing ever. Eight years old in my underwear, choking my best friend out with a ski mask on. If I could have had a, uh, styrofoam belt or whatever they were made out of, that would have just topped it off. But sure. You know, we, we started to, uh, the business when it started to evolve into more of a PG product and, and more leaning towards kids and, you know, little stingers and all that stuff and Hulk Hogan ice creams and all that stuff. You know, once they started the marketing machine that, that involved all the kids, you know, the kids that were affluent enough to afford it and that stuff wasn't cheap. Right price a championship replica belt at a WWE show these days. Oh yeah. It's hundreds of dollars. I mean, I think back then these little toy phone belts were probably like 20 bucks, but still I was tickled to have it. And now here you are a grown ass man trying to make your way in the wrestling business after looking at the lights for years, 
now you've got some hardware in your bag. Were you excited about that? Is that something you tell granny about, or is it just another day at the office? I can't tell you, uh, how proud I was good. And it was, it was not lost on me that they have pretty much given, given us carte blanche on having plenty of promo time every single week. They let us go out and defend those belts pretty much every single week. And guess what? You may get DQ'd or counted out, but you're not going to get beat if you're the tag champions, which was a good thing for heels because heels got beat all the time. And they, I could tell right away because our goal, it was pre horseman, but the theory was the same because Jerry was that kind of worker. Let's go out and steal the show. Right. Make it impossible for anybody else that night to have a better match than us. And that was our, it didn't matter who our opponents were. And I was just so proud to be his partner being used the way I was being used. And let me tell you that TV that came out of Dothan was pretty strong. Yeah. You know, throughout that area of Alabama, Florida, the whole thing. And it stretched over to Biloxi as far as Biloxi, Mississippi. And, uh, it, it was pretty powerful. And when you had back-to-back exposure from Georgia championship wrestling to this TV and you were being used good every week and your notoriety was, you know, we're pretty high profile, to be honest with you. So now that you're the, uh, the tag champ, does that mean, and boy, this obviously sounds silly too. Does that mean there's any sort of bump in pay or you're moving up the cards or is all of that relatively the same, except they've entrusted you with a new piece of hardware? Well, when I started there as super Olympia and the first couple of weeks were probably 350 bucks. Cause it was minimum pay for the first match. You were paid for a first match. They're figuring out how they're going to, if they like you, they're going to use you, what kind of talent you got, but you came in and you, you did. If you got used better, you moved up the card. And we went, when we won those titles, we went from maybe the first match after intermission to we were in the main event, pretty much either that or if Bob was wrestling the champion or there was a, a world title match or Southeastern title match singles. If that was on last, we were next to last. So we immediately went into that could be main event spot or just underneath and the pay went up too. it jumped miraculously. Wow. So l- let me ask when you find out, or I guess I should ask that. How do you find out you're going to become tag champ? Do they tell you day of, or do they sit you down a few weeks ahead of time and say, Hey, we want to make sure you're happy here. Cause we got some plans for you. Blah, blah, blah. Here's what we'd like to do in three weeks in Birmingham. Uh, you and Jerry are make a really good team. We think the time is right right now to strike. We're going to get you a couple of wins on TV and, and all around the, you know, the territory and that third week in town X, we're going to put the titles on you guys. As, as, as the little kid wrestling fan, are you like pinching yourself? Like, holy shit, this is going to happen. Holy shit. (laughs) This is it. Did you hear what he said? Jerry, calm down, calm down. Yeah. I heard this is going to be awesome. 
So, uh, I know it sounds silly, but we've heard some famous stories out there of guys when they, they're so happy, they, they won a championship that they would, uh, you know, wear the belt to the airport, prop the belt up in the back window of their car. I mean, they were really proud about being champ. Uh, are, are you, uh, unashamed to do that? Or does somebody say, now, come on, Arn, you can't do that. I was still relatively sure that on any given night in any given building with 50 people in it for any reason, whether it was at the mall, walking around the fair, wrestling, defending the titles, probably half of the people in that room could probably kick my ass. My job was to bluff them into not knowing that <laughs> and not shoving the championship belt up their ass. That's because somebody would have probably beat me for it in the mall. Well, it's going to be hard to beat this episode though. Uh, this has been fun, sort of a uh, Southeastern part one. And as we're winding down this episode, Arn and Jerry are the tag champs, the NWA Southeastern tag team champions. We're going to pick it up next week, talking about Jacques Rougeau and singles action. And then we're getting right back to the business at hand, Arn and uh, Jerry defending these tag titles all over the place, but we're not done sniffing around championships. You're going to have a, uh, another match in, uh, Birmingham for the NWA Southeastern heavyweight championship. And while we're at it next week, we'll be talking about a return to Georgia and a grudge match with you and Oli. It's going to be fun, man. I don't know. I, I didn't know what to expect when we first started talking about territory stuff, but this is like way more fun than I imagined. Just going week by week, day by day, breaking down the ins and outs of navigating the territories. Uh, I, I'm enjoying as Bruce likes to say a fresh paint of coat here on the show. Ask anybody that has ever worked Pensacola or, or was wrestling at the time. It was the wish list go-to place. It was heaven. It was heaven on earth. We haven't gotten into me meeting the missus, what led up to that, all these things that, you know, that beach was just so awesome. I mean, it, have access to it every week. And that's before you got to work. Right. And, and all those things that go into that, making that place heaven on earth. And, uh, We'll get into all that stuff, man. It's just because it all goes into, it's the best year and a half of my life. Wow. Strong that, words. That, inc that includes WWE. That includes Jim Crockett promotions wow. and making, making my way through the business on a rocket this year and a half, I think defined me as a human being would lead, lead me to where I ended up as far as a wrestler farther, much farther down the road. And it, we got a lot more to cover. You're going to enjoy yourself. I think we'll see you next week right here on Arn. Oh, Hey, real quick. I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. I worked with Derek and he quickly answered any questions I had being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. 
but you do need 10 minutes at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.